right, everybody, welcome to this episode of Learning the Tropes. Today I am joined by Stacy Boyd. So Stacy is an editor with Harlequin and she leads the editorial strategy for Afterglow Books. Welcome, Stacy. Thanks so much for taking the time to join me. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah, so you're our very first editor. Uh, guest we've ever had. So we've had a lot of romance fans. We've had a lot of romance virgins. We've had a lot of romance authors. Um, so I'd love to hear your kind of um, journey to romance, sort of you've been at Harlequin for a significant amount of time now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd love to hear just kind of like how you ended up there and how you ended up, you know, making romance your career. Yes, uh, I have been at Harlequin for more than two decades, which sounds so long when I say it. Um, and But I started out as a romance reader. I'm still a romance reader, but now that I'm an editor, my brain has changed. Um, but originally, I was a romance fan, have been reading them since I was really young, stealing them off the bookshelves of my great aunt. Um, and she was like, oh, I, I don't know if you're supposed to be reading this pirate romance. It's like, oh, no, I'm sure it's fine. Um, and sneaking into the library bookshelves to like read some historicals on the side. So um, that's how I came to it. And then I was working in New York City at a dot com uh, doing editorial work for an online magazine that folded in the many dot com busts that have happened. Mm-hmm. And I asked myself, like, what kind of editing would I like to do? Like, what would be fun? And romance was top of my list. So I um, applied to Harlequin. It worked out. And I have been there ever since. Um, luckily, they move me around every so often. So I've worked on fantasy and I've worked on NASCAR romances. Um, so it never gets boring. Um, and we're even launching new stuff that I think we're going to talk about today. So every four or five years, it changes. So I just uh, keep sticking around and, and having fun working on the romance. Nice. Um, and so I, you know, we have a lot of uh, listeners who are budding romance authors and established romance authors, sort of, what do you look for in a, in a manuscript when you get it from an author that you haven't kind of interacted with ever? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, editors always have uh, their own unique answer to this question. So um, take my answer with a grain of salt. Somebody else might tell you something different, but The thing that I really look for is a great opening line or paragraph or page. It just pulls me in right away, like something really exciting or different. Um, I don't have to have it. I can read past it. I can like skip through the page 50 and like check out the writing. But if it has a killer opening line, I'm sort of hooked in and read a lot more than I would without it. Um, I also love a great elevator pitch. Um, Because if the author can tell me what the story is about in like one or two lines, then I know they have hit it in the book because they've pulled out the key elements and and told me what those are about. Um, I also look for voice, which is not necessarily something you can just, it takes practice. It's a craft to like find your own voice and get that out on the page. Um, But an engaging, unique voice is always great and definitely emotion. Uh, I want to feel things. I want to feel what the characters are feeling. I want to feel those butterflies. So if it has those elements, then all the other stuff can be edited. So pacing and flow and word count, all that stuff is like, oh, yeah, 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 we can work on that. <laughs> if I'm feeling stuff and I like yeah. your voice, like then it goes a really, really long way. That's amazing. Um, and going back to kind of stealing romances from your great aunt. Yeah. <laughs> you remember the first one, you mentioned a pirate romance, which 
we do we have to work to bring back pirate and oh Viking gosh. romances. Yes, and I should romances. show you my water glass, which is like a pirate skull. <laughs> Amazing. I totally think we should bring back pirate <laughs> But do you remember specifically like the first book or books that really like hooked you in or the first author that you were that you kind of like followed? Um, I do not remember the name of that pirate romance. Uh, mm. All I remember is that she was kidnapped a lot. Um, and, mm. and, but it was so it was very exciting. Um, but I do remember the book that sort of changed my heart and like is still my number one favorite romance, which is Flowers from the Storm by Laura mm. Kinsale. Um, it is the best. It is the best. I, I have reread it. I don't reread things very often and I have reread it many times. Um, it just hits all of those lovely pieces that I look for in romance. Um, it makes me feel all the feelings. Oh my God, Maddie girl. I love Flowers from the Storm too. Um, Kate Claiborne, the author, is the one who brought me that book and she was like, no, you must read it. And it was, <laughs> I'm so thankful. And it's it's one of those too, like I almost want to find a linguist or somebody to read it with me or like a <laughs> neuroscientist because I'm like, what she does is just so phenomenal. That's such a fantastic yeah. book. Yeah. I love um. It. So Harlequin, I, I would love to hear a little bit about the sort of study that you guys did recently, yeah. the Love Lowdown. Tell yeah, so they uh, have done this report where they talk to the general population, singles mostly, um, about the state of dating and relationships these days, how they feel about those things. And they've talked to romance readers about the same topics. And then they pulled together some statistics uh, that have just been at, uh, released uh, where they talk about how people feel about dating. Um, and some of the results are, are pretty interesting because people are feeling that that traditional happily ever after. So like getting married, having a picket fence is not necessarily what their definition is. It's more right now about friends and family and community and career it's not just about having a romantic partner. It's like they want a full life, uh, a full happily ever after, um, and they want to define it for themselves. So I think um, that's interesting, but it also resonates with sort of the many kinds of books that Harlequin puts out um, where all of those things are part of the romances. Um, you want to have that journey of the characters in addition to the happily romantic happily ever after. Um, and I just, I think that uh, the report kind of lays out what we thought, um, but it's nice to have data to back it up. Oh, definitely. And, you know, as a lifelong romance reader and somebody who has been in a partnership for a while, I think, um, you know, what do you feel like romance has taught you about relationships and long-term relationships? Yeah, um, I have been in a partnership for a very long time, um, <laughs> a longer than I've been at Harlequin even. Um, and can I give you an aside? Yes, um, always. Yes. Uh, so my husband and I actually lived out a trope, which was a marriage of convenience. So how uh, <laughs> we uh, we were in college. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. exactly. It's like, how did this happen in real life? Um, so we were in college and I needed to get financial aid that my parents for various religious reasons were not going to approve for me. And the only way that I could do it was to become independent. And there were several ways to do that, have a kid, join the army or get married. And I was like, hey, 
look, let's go down to the science building and the notary can fill this out for us and we'll be married and then we'll divorce after and it's all fine. Um, and he was like, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> and so we did. Um, and we were really chill about it. And then a couple of years later, it was like, you know what, this is kind of cool. Let's just not get divorced. <laughs> and then so we stayed married and it was, it was very fun. And we've been married for almost, almost 30, almost 30 years. Um, so a very, very long time. Um, and it's great. Um, so that so is I, amazing. Cause I feel like yeah. marriage of convenience is a trope that is so hard to pull off in modern romances. They, yeah. so yeah. rarely is it done well that I can't believe you pulled it off in real life and it worked out. Were, so wait, were you guys like dating and then you were yeah. like, Hey, yeah. like, okay. You, yeah. He wasn't yeah. just we like a to, cute guy. No, he in wasn't your a, size random, a random dude, <laughs> but he, he, so yeah, we were together, but we were not thinking of anything long term. I mean, we were in college, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was sort of like, oh, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen after this. Um, but yeah, we got lucky and kind of grew together. Some people who get married young, they grow apart, um, but we managed not to. So I feel very, very lucky in that department. Um, oh, my God, that's phenomenal. Yeah. And I think romance maybe is part of that. Not necessarily mm -hmm. because of the trope, <laughs> although I was like, look at this, this is crazy. Um, but because of the hope and the optimism, really, that I feel like when you're immersed in these happy stories that are fun, um, they're about treating yourself as a reader. Um, and then they're also just giving you this sense of the world as working out. Right. You have to go through the hard stuff, the grief and the problems and the everyday situations that you necessarily don't want to deal with. Um, but then in the end, you love you love somebody um, and you stick through it and you talk to them about it. You don't just have a misunderstanding and walk out the door. Um, you know, it's like, oh, why didn't they just sit down and talk this through? Um, and in romance, you can see that um, mm -hmm. you can see um, how to get through those hard parts. Um, and I think just having that optimism it, it can carry over into your life. So you just feel a little more optimistic about uh, everything that's happening, um, even though it's hard. Yeah. What I found is so interesting too, the, the increased focus on community, which I think is something, you know, especially coming out of the pandemic that all of us have such a renewed, or maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but have like kind of a renewed focus on because we yeah. understand how important that community is. And something that I always say about romance novels and, you know, happily ever afters is, you know, this couple, it, it doesn't work if they end and they've isolated everybody that they love and they're on an island. You know, right. it only like it ends in community a lot of times, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, the couple are together and in community with people, the people around them. Um, so I think romance has always been about that kind of community building as well. Yeah, so I'm not absolutely. surprised that that's a value. Yeah. Yeah. I, because even like when you think about some romance novels where you have say a vacation romance or a fling or a one night stand, you have this situation that is isolated and that's sort of how you're introduced to that person. Mm -hmm. And then does it work in reality? Now we have to go back to the community with our jobs, with our kids, with whatever it is that we're dealing with. And does it hold up? Like, is it stronger than just this isolated instant that we had? And I think that journey is at the core of romance, like fitting into that larger space. Um, I think that's why for many romances in the past, especially there was always a baby or a pregnancy at the end to just sort of confirm that this love 
has grown. This love has mm-hmm. made, it has proven fruitful. Like it, this love fits in the community. I think that is a message. And the communities after COVID, the communities now, you know, they just look different than they did five or 10 years ago. And I think the stories in romance reflect that the way they've always reflected back our own culture and our own biases and our own um, ways of being. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I see that now too. Yeah. Well, I am also happy that there are, there seems to be more books that are ending with a couple just happy and together yes, <laughs> and without a baby. Yeah. yeah. Just without because, a baby, without yeah. necessarily saying we're going to be together forever, without necessarily getting married. There are many ways to like end happily and be connected to mm-hmm. your romantic partner. Definitely. Um, And something else that I loved about the survey was it really turned something on its head, a a question that I still get asked a lot, you know, as a romance reader, and obviously, like having this podcast and stuff, you know, where people wonder, you know, does romance give women, in particular, an out, uh, an unrealistic standard for dating, which I always think is a little bit, you know, misogynistic yes. and a little bit treating oh, women yes. uh, juvenile. Uh, but, it, you know, it's a question that keeps getting asked um, and something that this, uh, that the Love Lowdown survey kind of figured out was that women who read romance are better at spotting red flags and yeah. kind of do have that higher standard, but in a positive way. I'd love to hear, you know, any additional insight on, on that. Yeah, no, I, hear you with the um, idea of the fantasy, right? Like, can can women tell the difference between the fantasy and reality? Yes. <laughs> That's just like the short answer. Um, but yeah, I thought that was interesting too. And I think it comes back to how romances reflect the reality that we live in. So mm-hmm. um, you'll see in romances things that people deal with in everyday life And it gives the reader a chance to think about, is that how I would want to handle it? Is that what I would want to see? How does that make me feel? I mean, this can be very logistical, um, like whether or not a hero chooses to use a condom um, Mm -hmm. and how contraception is discussed. Um, Or it can be relationship driven um, when they have a misunderstanding or they're angry at each other. How do they respond? Do they walk out of the room? Do they talk it through? Um, I'm seeing more and more characters going to therapy and using their the things that they've learned there to work through the romance. Um, I think that is a great example. So then as a reader, maybe you've never been to therapy and you're like, oh, hey, maybe that could work for me. <laughs> like it just mm-hmm. as any fictional story does, it opens up worlds that you don't necessarily live in and allows you a chance to think about whether you want to do some of those things in your own life. Um yeah, so I, I think that that finding makes perfect sense, that you can imagine this ideal relationship and uh, see which parts of it you might want to carry over into real life. Right, exactly. I always say, too, I'm like, I don't think the problem with modern women is that we are too picky with men. Like, if anything. <laughs> no. No, not yeah. <laughs> Maybe and we give them too much leeway. <laughs> exactly. Where I'm like, I, I don't know. I have a few friends that I think could stand to be a little bit more picky. I won't say any names. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. Uh, right. And I think the thing, too, with romance, it's not ever necessarily two perfect people coming together. It, it is right. always like these two people coming together, making a decision, and then kind of working towards it. 
you know, yeah. and, it, and it looks different. These relationships end up looking different depending on the couple, which is the other thing too. Everybody builds their own relationship. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a, it's a private thing that happens. So I think, um, but having that kind of standard of, you know, open communication and love and respect, which is something that's found in most all romances, we yeah. hope, um, you know, is, is positive, positive modeling. Yeah, know? I totally agree. And I think what you said about these characters not being perfect is really important. Like you, um, as a romance reader, the flaws in the character allow you to sort of step in and say, yeah, I have flaws too. Like they may be different flaws, but Mm -hmm. okay, this person's dealing with some of the stuff that I may have heard about or have dealt with. And then you can see them finding love and you can see them working through all that hard stuff to get to something really hopeful and happy. Um, Yeah. And then that, I don't know, it it opens up your brain to make you think about, well, maybe that could work for me. Um, Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so to switch gears slightly, um, okay. so you have a new imprint, Afterglow, at Harlequin. Yes. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that and what made you decide that, you know, now is the time for for this new space. Yeah, we're really excited about Afterglow Books. It's launching in January 2024, but we've been working on it for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like it's been around forever, but it's not quite on the shelves yet. Um we uh, were seeing a lot of new people learning about romance, sort of being introduced to it through book talk and um, TikTok in general, and really loving the genre. Um, you know, of course, expected because <laughs> it's so great. Um, but then them wanting more books in line with what they were finding in their introduction to romance. So that has been sort of rom-coms with illustrated covers, but that's sort of evolving and people are asking for things like spicier stories and um, stories with very complex characters and stories with diversity sort of built in from the ground up. And we wanted to provide all of that in a very uh, upbeat, trope-driven fashion, which is what Harlequin is known for. We are great with tropes, and so that's what we hope to bring with Afterglow is this really uh, trip-tastic kind of experience that's fun and uplifting and hopeful and sort of builds in all of those elements that this newer audience has been looking for. And the great thing, I think, is that it's at a value price because I see a lot of people complaining about the rise in prices for books um, up to almost $20. And these are going to be around $12 or $13. So um, the voracious romance reader has an opportunity to to read multiple books rather than just buying one or two. So we we hope that readers are really going to like all the stuff that we offer in the new program. Amazing. You, you mentioned cartoon covers, and that's been a point of discussion in this podcast for yeah, <laughs> the length of the podcast, I think, you know, I, I think I'm a traditionalist and that I love the kind of clinch cover, that kind of art of the 90s, which I do understand is a little dated. But I'd <laughs> love to hear a little bit about the the focus on cartoon covers and kind of what you at Harlequin are kind of finding and, and why that kind of pivot has been happening. Yeah, I think what we found is we did a lot of research as we started to develop Afterglow is that people who like the illustrated covers gravitate to them because they keep the romance element private, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't have a couple on the cover 
that is advertising to everyone that you're reading a romance novel. You can take it on the train. You can read it with your family. Um, and that seemed to be a big piece. We also found that people who were reading the illustrated covers thought many times that it would be a lighter story, like less sex maybe. And then, yeah. so they didn't always get what they expected with the illustrated cover. So they came into it thinking like, this is going to be really funny and really light and not too sexy. And sometimes that's the case. And then other times it's like really sexy and they're oh, wow, I wasn't expecting that. So one thing that we're thinking about in our covers, we are mixing in some illustrations, but we're also doing some design and some photorealism. And we want to really convey with the cover what you're going to get in the book. So that when you see it on the shelf, you're like, yes, that's the kind of reading experience I'm into. And then you read it and hopefully it matches. <laughs> so you're not um, getting getting mixed up, not getting what you want, basically, um, with the covers. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was always my complaint, too, about the cartoon covers was kind of, yeah, it, it's showing this very, like, feels very, like, light and fluffy. And then sometimes it would be, like, quite dark themes, a mm -hmm. lot of sex. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and it felt kind of, yeah, like, uh, yeah, that, that that was tough. So I'm happy that that's kind of a, a conversation that you're all you are all having as well. Mm -hmm. um, I know you have a heart out soon <laughs> and I want to talk tropes because that's obviously the name that's of the podcast. Thing, yeah. it's, what I it's what I always want to talk about. So just quick, like lightning round. I'd love to hear some of your favorite tropes. Marriage of convenience is probably going to be in there. You know, it, has to be. <laughs> it, it is a great trope. I do like it, but I, like you said, it's really hard to pull off in a contemporary novel. Yeah. I do most of my work in the contemporary space, um, but it can be done, you know, health insurance, <laughs> various reasons <laughs> for getting married. Um, cards. Yeah. Yes. I would say my two favorites, are because I, I don't know, I love tropes. I wouldn't work in romance if I didn't love them. But the yeah. two that stand out to me um, are fish out of water. I really just like to see people in circumstances they don't expect and how they're getting along. That can be like um, if that's a city person in the country or just like in a job that you don't know how to do. I really like that piece. And I just I love enemies to lovers. I think <laughs> like it's so classic, but it just builds in some tension right from the get go. Mm -hmm. I think I love it when each of the characters really needs something and whatever it is they need is in direct opposition to them falling in love. So like if they fall in love and the, the, the things that they need are just not going to pan out the way they expect. Um, I love it. It makes my heart melt. But that's sort of like flowers from the storm, right? Two different worlds, two opposite sides. Um, yeah. So those are my favorites for sure. Uh, him waiting in the garden across from the meeting. I mean, come on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, those are two great tropes. Yeah. Enemies to lovers. I mean, enemies to lovers. Jen Prokoff from the Faded Mates, a, a great podcast, always talks about the only way that enemies to lovers really works is if it's secretly the male main character always loved the female main character. Like it can't be hate, hate. It has to be exactly, yeah. yeah. And not the hating enemies. More that they're on opposite sides of a situation. Probably, yeah. You know, where it's like they both need things that are in opposition to each other. And so they are, the situation has put them on opposite sides, but the attraction and the feelings are pulling them together despite what they think is their best interest. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any tropes that you're just like, not for me? Um, I don't have any tropes I hate because I work on everything. Um, yeah. 
I guess I've done a lot of baby books in the past. So that's something that I'm not really into right now. But mm. any trope can work as long as it has context, as long as it feels earned and not just layered, like laid on top or coincidental. Um, like if you're going to do a marriage of convenience, make me believe it. Right. I want to totally buy into it. Um, and I think that's what makes part of what makes romance so fun. Right. That they're in these sort of high concept situations and you can totally buy in. Yeah. OK. This is happening to this character and I'm just going to roll with it. Yeah. Definitely. I agree. I think there are ones that I don't gravitate to as much, but in the right author's hand, I'm going to read yeah. anything. Yeah. Yes. Basically. Basically. <laughs> Amazing. So we're coming up on time. I want to give you an opportunity sort of to, to plug anything or how people can find you or how people can find the love uh, lowdown if they want to kind of look through the research that you guys have done sort of where where do you want to direct the audience yeah so uh they can find me at stacyboy.com um i don't know where the love lowdown report is housed so i would have to find out for you but i could and then you could add it maybe in the notes but um harlequin.com would have all of the books that we have available and it'll have um an afterglow page there if people want to explore a little bit and they can find samples of books and uh, see what we're all about. Um, so those are some good places to go. And I'm always looking for great stories. So if any of your aspiring author listeners want to submit, the submitting information is also on my website or harlequin.submittable.com. Perfect. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much for joining me. I hope uh, you'll be back. But until then, want to tell our audience happy reading. Yeah, enjoy.